Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We has got an abs- we have got an absolutely jam-packed show for you guys tonight. Uh, I'm going to do something that I have not done in years on my show, and that is rank the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. Patrick Mahomes, with this latest accomplishment in the last week, he's won a league MVP in his second Super Bowl. He's certainly in the top 10. The question is, where do I put him? There's people having him all over the place. There's some who say, hey, he's already in that discussion with Brady. Some say, hey, it's too early. Let's put him right outside the top 10. I'm going to give my top 10 quarterbacks ever. I've been looking at this list for a while. I put together my 10. I feel great about it. I think it's the greatest 10, unquestionably. I'll get to that later in the show, as well as it's NBA All-Star Weekend, which some say, hey, who cares about the All-Star Game? Listen, last year, we got a show, right? Remember, Steph scored 50 16 threes, which shattered an all-star record. LeBron in his hometown of Cleveland hit the walk-off shot in what was a crazy back-and-forth game between Team LeBron and Team Durant. This time, it's going to be Team LeBron uh, Team LeBron versus Team Giannis, uh, which is going to be very, very exciting. The draft doesn't happen until tomorrow, so I'm excited to see how that turns out. And I'll give you my predictions for how the weekend will we'll, we'll, we'll progress. I think the dunk contest is going to be one of the best that we've seen in a while because of one man and one in particular, one man in particular, Mac McClung. Okay, I'll get to that later. And he's a G leaguer too, which is incredible. I also get to Russell Westbrook. There is reported mutual interest between him, the Clippers, Paul George is trying to recruit him to LA. This could uh this could sink the Clippers before they even have a chance to set sail in their pursuits of a championship, which will be the franchise's first championship, obviously, ever. And I'll obviously get to the the very, very, very strange Eric Bienemy situation and the hypocrisy around the NFL. Not directed at the NFL, the front office, the commissioner, none, none of that. I'm talking about the teams and in particular the owners and the hypocrisy that they're using to not hire Eric Bieniemy as a head coach. And he reportedly, this broke like 45 minutes ago before the show started, he is going to be the new OC of the Washington Commanders, which I think could be career suicide, but I'll get to that later in the show. But today's a very special day. Today, February 17th, 2023, is Michael Jordan's 60th 
birthday. So happy birthday to the great Michael Jeffrey Jordan, um, a guy who up until last week I proclaimed was the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, like I said, last Friday, exactly a week today. Maybe we should like save the date. February 10th, I said LeBron James was the greatest basketball player of all time. I'll, I'll sort of get into my case later on when I have more time. Maybe next week, maybe after uh, the break. I'm going to take a, a little bit of a break in a couple weeks, but uh, I'll get to it eventually. But today's about Michael Jordan. And, you know, what's what's incredible about Michael Jordan is it feels as if he's one of the few people on earth where his lore, his legend has almost grown since retiring, since his career ended in 2003 with the Washington Wizards. You talk about the shoe sales. You talk about Space Jam being so popular that we said, hey, hey, his heir apparent was LeBron James. Let's make a Space Jam with LeBron. Uh, Space Jam, Looney Tunes, nothing against Looney Tunes or anything, right? It's great cartoons, classic, but, you know, it's, it's not something that we, we think about all the time, but because Michael Jordan was in it, it came back with in, with LeBron James in this new iteration of uh, of that movie, right? You got he's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. You had in the middle of COVID, in which you know a month into COVID, there's no sports, there's no nothing. I remember doing my show at the time. There was the NFL draft, and that was about it. Like there was nothing to talk about in sports. And thank God for Michael Jordan for ESPN for putting out this ten part docu series. I remember vividly two one-hour episodes per Sunday night for five straight Sundays. Uh, and it was, you know, it's incredible the fact that we knew the results. We knew what happened. But we were still captivated because, A, it was all we had to watch on TV unless you're into that Tiger King stuff. And, B, it's Michael Jordan. And whenever he's on television, whenever he's involved in something, we got to see what's up. Like, there's not that many people in the history of America, I would say, that had that kind of magnetism. I think of another MJ, Michael Jackson. He did. If you want to go back further and say Elvis Presley, you would certainly have a compelling case in that regard. I think there are very few actors, maybe Denzel. Um, I mean, there again, not that many people in Hollywood that you're you're just like, whoa, that's X, right? That's so and so. That's oh my goodness, like you you can't you can't believe that you're actually in their presence almost. I think to a certain degree, Kobe Bryant was like that. Muhammad Ali was like that. There was a certain aura that came when you were holy cow. That's being in the same room with them. And to this day, Michael Jordan is still relevant. When we talk about LeBron, who just became the NBA's all-time leading scorer, the debates have only heightened that much more. Who's the greatest? Is it LeBron? Is it Jordan? And we're going to be arguing that probably till the end of time. And so, so Michael's name still gets brought up every day. You can't say that about other guys. I mean, the only reason we were bringing up Kareem is because LeBron was about to pass Kareem. We don't talk about uh, Tim Duncan every day. Tim Duncan is, is a quiet individual. We don't talk about magic every day. The only reason we see Shaq is because he's on TNT doing a phenomenal job with, with Chuck, Ernie, and Kenny. And Shaq is, Shaq's one of the 10 greatest ever in my mind. We don't talk about Hakeem every day. And I don't think it's just because Michael's the greatest player ever. Or arguably the greatest player ever. One or two. He's in that discussion without a question with the king, LeBron James. But in other sports, I mean, we don't, 
I love Tom Brady. He's, to me, by a mile, spoiler alert, for my top 10 quarterbacks of all time. Let's spoiler alert. He's number one. But I don't think we're going to be talking about Tom every day. Maybe unless Mahomes approaches him. But I still don't think Tom has the magnetism. It's something about MJ, too, right? We know about the, the shoes, which we still wear today. His, If you compare his shoe sales to everybody else, even the best shoes, LeBron, KD, Steph, it's not even close. It, it, like it's, it is a massive gap between Michael and everybody else currently playing, the biggest stars of the NBA. But you talk about there was a swag that came to him. You know, he had the cigar, and he was, you know, he's a good-looking guy, tall, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, again, just had a, had, had a way about the competitive spirit, the fire that we don't see in, in many athletes throughout the history of sports. Again, you could put Kobe in that category. I think Tom Brady absolutely belongs in that category. Um, I think uh, Ali, certainly. I mean, there's, but there's not that. But Derek Jeter, I think, would certainly, if you talk about Derek Jeter's competitive fire, only those, Serena Williams, only those athletes, to me, compares to the greatness of Michael Jordan in terms of the, 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 the unbelievable drive to be great. The every single day, how do I get better? Michael Jordan always said, what's the famous quote is, he worked harder at his weaknesses than his strengths in the offseason. He, in a lot of ways, sort of revolutionized nutrition, right? Maybe not necessarily what he ate. He obviously, we understand the nightlife and all that, but in terms of how he, how he trained the offseason, kept his body fit, ready to go, is incredible. And I think players following him have fallen his footsteps in that regard in terms of of, uh, of, of keeping your body in, in a good spot, but also increasing that. So when you talk about Michael Jordan's legacy, it's not just on the basketball court. We know about the six championships, going 6-0 the finals with six MVPs. We know about the five regular season MVPs. I always say his, his greatest season, regular season ever, was not when he won the championship. It was in 1988 when he won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year and averaged, I think, 37 points a game. Like, that's Michael Jordan. The efficiency, being able to score inside. The mid-range was one of the greatest we've ever seen. The handle was great. Obviously, we understand Air Jordan winning the dunk contest. We, I don't think we can argue about who the greatest player ever is. But in terms of on, off the court, in terms of how we view him, I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like Michael Jordan in the history of basketball. I really don't. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it speaks to his greatness, his legend, that the man has not played a basketball game in the NBA in two decades. And we still talk about him almost daily. His name is still irrelevant. It's still relevant to this day. The shoes, the merch, Space Jam, everything. Debate format shows. And we, we barely see Michael in public. He's not somebody who's who's always out like a you know he's not like Magic Johnson. You see Magic everywhere in LA. You see him at the crypto.com. You see him at other Los Angeles events. You barely ever see Michael Jordan. And it sort of adds to the mystique, the mystery of this guy. Like, oh, you know, it's it, it it's it's unlike anything we've ever seen in sports and even otherwise. So hats off to Michael Jordan. Hats off to uh happy birthday to Michael Jordan, rather. 60 years of age. Looks great. Um, yeah, business is, business is flourishing for him. It's outstanding. 
Got a few comments here. Oh, of, course, of course, Barry had to he had to prop somebody up and take a shot at Michael. He says, happy birthday to the GOAT, Jim Brown. Well, Jim Brown is probably the greatest running back ever. I would say Barry Sanders. Um, I think the league was far more focused, at least for that time, on, on quarterback play in the 90s. Not near what it is. Not even close to what it is now. Not even close. But certainly more then than it was in the 60s. Um, when a running back like a Jim Brown could lead the Cleveland Browns to all those championships uh, that he did. But Jim Brown, certainly one of the all-time legends in the history of the NFL. And so happy birthday uh, to him as well. Patrick Brown, happy birthday to MJ. It's got to be the shoes. As an avid Jordan sneaker fan, it's a testament to his post-career outside of owning the Hornets and a NASCAR race team, plus a street motorcycle team as well. Like I said, anything, just about everything Jordan touches as it, as it uh, pertains to business, has, has, has exploded. It, it, it's a credit to him. Barry, I'd like to know another uh, another jerk people fawn over as much as MJ. Interesting dynamic. Here's what I would say, Barry. Um, there are many athletes. I'm not going to name them, but there's a ton of athletes that people fawn over that aren't the greatest people. Again, as a notice in that sort of tribute I have for Michael, did not say anything about him in terms of him as a person. Not a word. I'm talking about his aura, his legacy on and off the court, how he continues to still dominate headlines to this day. Again, some of that you could probably credit a lot to LeBron. But I don't... Listen, today, Barry, today is not the day to take shots at the great Michael Jordan. This is not the day. This is not the day. To give to give credit to Jim Brown, absolutely. It is his birthday as well. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not certain as to how old Jim Brown is. Uh, he Today is his 87th birthday. Wow. Absolute legend. One of the greatest ever to do it. And uh, yeah, today is not the day to take shots at Michael Jordan. But yeah, the last stamp, man. Listen, if nothing else, myself and every podcaster, radio personality, television personality, sports writer, everybody. We owe Jordan and ESPN a big fat thank you for keeping sports content alive from about mid-April to early June. Because, man, we needed that. Yeah, we knew it happened, but it was something to look forward to. There was no sports. I don't know what I'd do. Hindsight, I don't know what I'd do if, you know, knock on wood, God forbid, if something else like COVID happened uh, and affected the whole world and everything shut down, there's no sports. What would I get on the show and talk about? I, I, I don't, I, I really don't know. I mean, at that time, I had much shorter shows and only two days a week. Now it's three days a week, but still, uh, we needed those talks bad. Um, but then again, again, you could sort of attribute that to LeBron as well because, and I try to spend as little time as possible talking about these type of events. Uh, because it still hurts my heart. But when LeBron came back from 3-1 down, the Cavs came back from 3-1 down on my Warriors, It um, that's when Michael called ESPN or one of his execs. And I think it was the day after the Cavs championship parade, the people flew to, to um, Charlotte to interview Michael Jordan for the last dance. And so it was at that point that Jordan started to feel threatened by LeBron and... But yeah, so maybe we could attribute it to LeBron, or we could blame Steph Curry. It's, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of connecting events that 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 go on here, 
And uh, I'd, I'd rather spend, well, really not any time at all talking about the 2016 finals because to this day, seven years later, I am still scarred from that finals. I, I do not like to talk about it, man. It's just, just not it. Here's what I would like to talk about, though. Uh, you know, if there's one thing that bothers me more than anything else, if there's one personality trait, we're all flawed. I mean, not, nobody on this planet is perfect. But if there's one personality trait that bothers me more than any of them, it's hypocrisy. It has to be hypocrisy. Because if you are a deeply flawed individual, which again, we all are, but you are transparent, upfront, honest, yeah, this is where I, I could improve in these areas. Ah, cool. But if you try and, this is why the Baseball Hall of Fame drive, drives me nuts. If you want to, pers- to, to, to put out this holier-than-thou persona, that's, that's where you lose me. This isn't necessarily a holier-than-thou type of situation, but it is certainly a situation that is reaped in hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. So, Eric Bieniemy is now going to be the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. A move for him personally, which I absolutely do not get. It could possibly be career suicide, or he could hit a home run with this new step in his career. I don't know. God knows I'm rooting for him. Um, I think he's a great guy. I think he's he's a terribly underrated offensive coordinator. And we'll see how it turns out. But here's what I think is interesting. So we go through another hiring cycle, and Eric Bieniemy does not get a head coaching job. Now... He has been interviewed, if I'm getting this right, I believe it's 17 times. He's been interviewed 17 times uh, for to, to, to be a head coach. Make sure I'm getting this right. Is it 17? 16, jo- 16 times Eric Bieniemy has interview- been interviewed by 15 different NFL franchises in the past few years. Now, one team interviewed him twice. That was the New York Jets. And he did not make it to the second round of interviews, which included seven candidates. Um, and Eric Bieniemy still doesn't get a head coaching job. Well, Bryson, it's because he doesn't call plays. Is it? Well, that's funny. Nathaniel Hackett didn't call plays. He got the Denver Broncos job. Nick Sirianni did not call plays. He got the Philadelphia Eagles job. Kevin O'Connell didn't call plays. He got the Minnesota Vikings job. Zach Taylor didn't call plays. He got the Cincinnati Bengals job. Two former Andy Reid assistants. Doug Peterson didn't call plays. He got a head coaching job. Matt Nagy didn't call plays. He got a head coaching job. All of these are offensive coaches. Two of them, as I mentioned, worked for Andy Reid. It was when Andy Reid, when it was, uh, I think it was 2016, Doug Peterson was his offensive coordinator. I'm just sorry, 2015, Doug Peterson was his offensive coordinator, went to Philadelphia, and obviously two years in, won a Super Bowl. So Matt Nagy replaced him. Obviously, he didn't call plays. It's Andy Reid's offense. Andy Reid's designing all the plays. Andy Reid's going to call plays offensively. Matt Nagy still got a job. 
Okay. And then Matt Nagy got replaced with Eric Bieniemy, and he still is yet to get a job. Something else that's that's interesting <laughs> that I loved. So the Arizona Cardinals are in a position where there's a lot of organizational chaos. On and off the field, they don't know what they have in Kyler Murray. On the field, he had a horrible season. He regressed badly from his third year in the NFL, which we, you never want to see happen. And, you know, again, also you had the fact that he tore his ACL, and he's in all likelihood not going to be ready for this upcoming season. Off the field leadership, is he the worst in the NFL at the quarterback position? One can make that argument. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, for as much as I criticize his leadership, he's had his, he's had his moments here and there. Does Kyler ever have his moments? They need somebody to stabilize the organization and somebody, most importantly, to develop Kyler Murray, to get him back on track. And what do they do? They hire a defensive coach. And not just any defensive coach, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they hired Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, at least the former Eagles defensive coordinator now. The same Eagles defensive coordinator that got torched in the second half by the Kansas City offense. You say, well, well Bryson, Andy Reid called the plays, not Eric Bieniemy. You'd be correct in that assessment, except for the fact that Andy Reid and multiple Kansas City Chiefs offensive players, including their two best offensive players, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, gave a ton of credit to Eric Bieniemy for finding certain weaknesses in the Eagles' defense that allowed them to get those easy touchdowns, I mean, the, to Sky Moore and to, to Kadarius Toney in the fourth quarter in which they were open by 10 yards. Eric Bieniemy saw that. And Jonathan Gannon, whose defense got torched by an offense that it was Eric Bieniemy who made the adjustments for, but Gannon gets the job to develop a quarterback? Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Also not to mention, of the last nine offensive coordinators who have made the Super Bowl, Bienemy included, five of them are NFL head coaches now. You also look at the fact that uh, other, uh, other coaches who have uh, interviewed with Eric Bienemy which is with this part is, is is fascinating to me about who he's been passed over for. Here's guys that Bienemy has has interviewed teams that have interviewed Bienemy have also interviewed these candidates and they hired these candidates over Eric Bienemy in the last 3 years. Let's see if you remember their names. Adam Gase, David Cully, Brian Flores, which was a solid hire, Joe Judge, Matt Rule, Nathaniel Hackett, Urban Meyer. The enemy was passed over all of those guys. Now, again, I think Flores was a good hire. I think the Dolphins did him dirty. Everybody else, really? Here's something else, too. Mike Kafka, I want to make sure I'm getting his name correct. Yes, Mike Kafka, who is the former, uh, who, is, who is an offensive assistant for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
um, under Andy Reid and under Eric Bieniemy. He left to go to the New York Giants. He got interviews for a head coaching job. So a guy who was under Eric Bieniemy is now getting interviews. It's interesting. By the way, something else too. Remember Matt LaFleur? Everybody was all in love with Matt LaFleur. I've never been a Matt LaFleur guy, for the record. Matt LaFleur ran a Tennessee Titans offense that was among one of the worst in the NFL as their offensive coordinator in 2018. And how does he get rewarded? With one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and a great roster in Green Bay. Eric Bieniemy's helped his team win two Super Bowls and still can't get a job. I'm sorry. I have a hard time believing that Eric Bieniemy is that bad of an interview. Did you watch Nick Sirianni's opening press conference? If you haven't, please Google it. It's bad. But he's been a good head coach. He's done a solid job in Philadelphia. I can't say anything bad about what Nick Sirianni's done. It's funny how we look over the fact that certain other coordinators don't call plays, including two assistants from a brilliant offensive coach, Sean McVay, right? Zach Taylor was the OC under Sean McVay. Kevin O'Connell was the OC under Sean McVay. They didn't call plays. McVay got all the credit. They still got jobs. Two of Andy Reid's assistants, Peterson, Nagy, neither call plays. Both of them got jobs. But when Eric Bieniemy's name gets brought up, oh, he doesn't call plays. Really? What is it that Eric Bieniemy and these other coaches have in, or don't have in common? Rather, what's the one thing that you can see immediately? Yeah, you guessed it. Eric Bieniemy's black. Of course, we have only four black co head coaches in the NFL. Mike Tomlin, Todd Bowles, Mike McDaniel, and now D'Amico Ryans. Four out of 32. And he leave it as 65% black. Am I saying you should hire a black coach just for the sake of it? No, I'm not saying that. But with all due respect, some of these... Some of their white counterparts have been pretty crappy candidates and they still got the job. What it comes down to at the end of the day is not Roger Goodell. What I, I ask, what can Roger Goodell do to fix this problem? Matter of fact, I think he's done all he can. He is he has told teams, hey, listen, I'll give you draft picks. I'll give you draft picks if you hire minority head coaches. Ah, that still doesn't do the, do the trick. Comes down to the owners. Gotta remember Goodell works for the owners. Owners control the league, all 32 of them. This Rooney rule doesn't work, as I've said for years on this show. You have so many instances, like where I, I always use the two examples, where Jerry Jones interviews two people for the Cowboys head coaching job three years ago, Mike McCarthy and Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis was clearly and obviously a Rooney rule interview. Mike McCarthy, I'm still not clear to this day. Did they even interview him? Because all the stories I got from the Dallas media was they had McCarthy, the Jones family had McCarthy over to, I, I don't know how big their, their, their estate is. I'm sure it's about as big as we could possibly imagine. It's the Jones family, for crying out loud. But they have Mike McCarthy over to talk ball and have nachos. And reportedly, Jerry Jones Jr. told his dad, Hey, Jerry, what are you waiting for? 
That was Mike McCarthy's interview. Brian Flores, who had the success he had with the Miami Dolphins when he was up for head coaching jobs, when he was going to be interviewed by the New York Giants. Remember that text exchange between Belichick and Flores in which Belichick thought he was texting uh, uh, Brian Dable and said, what I'm hearing, you've already got the job. And it's, again, they made, I, I think Dable's an excellent coach. And I don't blame the Giants for hiring him. I do blame them for not even giving Flores a chance, which is why Flores sued them. It's an epidemic in the NFL. It has been for years. People say, oh, Bryce, you're playing the race card. I trust my eyes. <laughs> I trust what I'm reading in terms of who's getting jobs, the qualifications they have compared to other uh, other uh, uh, candidates and the qualifications they have, and yet this group of coordinators and candidates, they're getting the job despite having lesser qualifications than Am I saying Eric Bieniemy is going to be a home run as a head coach? I don't know. I have no idea. I think he could be. I mean, I, if you look at Andy Reid's coaching tree, his co his his assistants tend to do really well, even back to his days in Philadelphia. Why on earth would I think Eric Bieniemy would 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 be anything otherwise? And now he's in Washington, where yeah, he'll call plays, but for who? Sam Howell. Man, I'm pulling for him. I am. Again, I, I see the guy during interviews. He's He's got a good charisma about him. He's great at answering questions. Uh, he's obviously got an incredible football IQ. Mahomes, has, Patrick Mahomes has talked about that numerous occasions, as has Andy Reid. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, it comes down to the NFL owners. And I don't know what you can do to change their... Very, we'll put it nicely, their very flawed way of looking at head coaching candidates. I don't, I don't know what the commissioner can do. I don't know what the league can do. What I do know is there's a blatant hypocrisy going on. There's a blatant, I would go so far as to say, and I don't say this ever on my show, I go so far as to say conspiracy going on in the NFL, not just necessarily for the enemy, but for other black head coaching candidates been going on for decades at one point at what point are we going to recognize what's going on and address it and hold these nfl owners accountable sucks for being enemy because he's a heck of a candidate he really is barry grant jr hey short and sweet to the point barry says template bro template i just it it, it is it, it, it shouldn't be mind-blowing to me, given the NFL's history of this. Which guys they pick, which guys they typically pass over. But what's new? It's been like this for a very long time. And, uh, I mean, again, I, uh, I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at some of these other things. Uh, this is from, let me make sure I've got this right. Okay. About Eric B enemy and his, his, his history of, of interviews and how they've, he's been completely passed over that, uh, again, Gase, Meyer, Hackett, and judge were picked over him. 
with the teams that he interviewed with that they got the job with? I ask. If it's not race, I beg of you, please tell me what it is. Please tell me. Because all the excuses that people come up with, well, that's funny. Certain other guys got the job and they had said, quote unquote, flaws or deficiencies. It's a shame. It really is. And um, like I said, I'm wishing Eric being to me nothing but the very best in Washington. Uh, we all know how dysfunctional an organization that is, although it appears that the Snyders are finally going to sell the team. Finally. Probably the worst ownership group in the entire, forget NFL, but all of sports. Ron Rivera is still there. I still think the world of Ron Rivera is a head coach. But now Eric Bieniemy gets to take over a team that finished 24th in offense. And is it Sam Howell or is it Carson Wentz or is it Taylor Heineke or is it a rookie? Maybe Bieniemy saying, look, if they won't hire me in Kansas City when I don't call plays, maybe if I do call plays, show off you know what I've learned from, from Andy Reid, maybe then I'll get a job. For his sake, man, I hope so. But I think this could be potentially devastating for his career. Devastating. So I wish him the absolute best. But it's uh, yeah, it's messed up what's going on in the NFL. It's it, it, it's been it's been messed up. Uh, I want to shift to the NBA for a second. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This is our set the second third actually no third NBA topic. I was just talking about Michael Jordan. Okay, so we got three NBA topics, two NFL topics. Again, in the segment after this, I will rank my top ten quarterbacks of all time. Looking forward to getting into that. But before I do that, um, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook. So Russell Westbrook is probably going to be bought out soon. I believe he's with the Utah Jazz as we speak, but he'll be bought out if he hasn't been already. And there's potential suitors out there. I know the Bulls have been floated. I don't really know what kind of value he brings to the Bulls. The Bulls, at best, are a play-in team um, with no chances whatsoever to make any kind of run. I'm not so sure where that really Helps Westbrook or helps the Bulls. Uh, other teams have been floated out there. But the one that is reportedly, according to Woj, Shams, the most interested is the Los Angeles Clippers. Let me just say this. This is a Western Conference that is absolutely stacked. Stacked. Denver, man, listen, I'm seeing a lot of people in the national media dismissing the Denver Nuggets. I've watched them about five games this, this season. Let me tell you something. Denver's legit. De Denver's legit. Nikola Jokic is, you know what sucks about Nikola Jokic? I think he's the front runner for MVP. And you guys know what I thought about him winning the MVP the last two years. I thought it was utter nonsense. And I think for this year's purposes, he should win the MVP. But because he won the last two years, I don't think so. Because I don't think he should win it this year because that would make him the first three-time winner since Larry Bird and the third three consecutive time three consecutive time winner, rather. There's been guys that's won more than three, but three consecutive time MVP winner in NBA history. He joined Russell, Bill Russell, that is, and Larry Bird. He is not in that category. He's not even close. But anyways. You have the Denver Nuggets, who are absent. Jamal Murray looks like Jamal Murray again. He looks back. You've got teams like the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, they just added this guy. You might have heard of him, Kevin Durant, to team up with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. The only questions I have about them is health because they're going to pick up guys the buyout market. 
Uh, heck, they, they've already started. They just picked up right, Reggie Jackson to bolster their bitch. They're going to be fine. People worrying about defense. You can play team defense. Katie is an excellent defender. Chris Paul, while he is aging, is still a, a solid defender at the point guard position. DeAndre Ayton is a good rim protector. They're fine defensively. I think people are overestimating that way too much. So Phoenix, absolutely a contender. You talk about teams such as the Golden State Warriors. People are going to roll their eyes. Ah, you're being a Warriors homer. No, not really. The Warriors starting five. Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green, Looney have the best plus minus of any starting five in the entire NBA. The problem is Steph has missed a third of the games. When Steph comes back, Clay's been playing outstanding the last two months. He's averaging like 25, 26 a game. Jordan Poole's finding his rhythm a little bit. Draymond's played well all season long, particularly the defensive end. Wiggins is finding his rhythm. He hitched that 30-point night on his last game before the All-Star break. You can dismiss Golden State all you want. All I know is that in the nine-year dynasty, riding off the Golden State Warriors tends to end poorly for you. I'll just say that. Memphis, I don't buy into Memphis for a second. But if you buy into Memphis... Knock yourself out. Jaw is a superstar. He's got good role players around him. Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, Steven Adams. They got some, some nice players over there. I don't think they're a contender. I don't think they're getting to the Western Conference Finals. But they may. They could be in that mix. There's a lot of teams in the Western Conference that are very, very dangerous. Should the Clippers make this move to acquire Russell Westbrook, they would officially take themselves out of that mix. 100%. I am taking Denver over them. I am taking Phoenix over them. I am taking Golden State over them. I am taking even Memphis. Yes, even Memphis over the Los Angeles Clippers. If nothing else, look, I do not see the Lakers as championship contenders. I think it's utterly ridiculous that some people are still floating them. They're the 13th seed for crying out loud. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I do. I think they're going to get hot the second part of the season. These last 20-odd 20, 20 games. I do. I love the pieces they put around LeBron and AD. But I have major questions about AD's health. And when he's on the court, his aggressiveness. I have no questions about LeBron James other than health. But the other pieces fit great. Three and D guys, right? And plus, you added Mo Bamba to add side. I mean, they made some really good moves. If nothing else, I know it's one game. Did you watch the Lakers with LeBron and AD and that supporting cast on Wednesday night? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They looked really good. Really good. Like, the best they've looked in, like, a couple years. Clippers add Russ. They're officially done. Here's why. We all know he's a ball-dominant player. We all know his basketball IQ is, well, let's just say it leaves a lot to be desired. We know he's a turnover machine. He's inefficient. Uh, he is a defensive liability. He's horrible in the defensive end of the floor, especially at this advanced stage of his career. 
And the Clippers already have a ball-dominant player in Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi is not great, excuse me, off the ball. Paul George is. Um, Kawhi's not. And again, should Kawhi go down? Knock on what he does it, but we know his history. If Kawhi goes down, Paul George is leading that group, which I don't think it's a massive drop-off. I still think the Clippers could win a playoff series, maybe two if they get the right matchup. Heck, they did it two years ago. Paul George led the Clippers to the Western Conference Finals with no Kawhi Leonard for most of the second round. However, if you pair a guy who is doing the decision-making, taking shots that other guys like Norman Powell, Nick Batum, guys like that aren't taking a Bones Highland. Again, I ask, where does Russ fit? I asked that when he was traded to the Lakers two years ago. How does Russ fit with this group? AD needs the ball in his hands to be successful. LeBron definitely needs the ball in his hands to be successful. A lot of the other guys in LA do. Melo at the time was there. How's Russ going to fit? And of course, it was a disaster that year and a half he was in Los Angeles with the Lakers. But the Clippers think they're going to fix him? Trust me. There's a reason that if, and again, we're not even sure Russ is going to be playing basketball the rest of this year. Clippers haven't signed him. Nobody else has signed him. Let's just say for the sake of argument, they do. You realize this will be the fifth. You heard that right. Fifth straight year that Russell Westbrook has been with a different team. OKC in 2019, Houston in 2020, Washington in 2021, Lakers in 2022, could be somebody else in 2023 if he's even picked up. A lot, of, a lot of teams, a lot of players, a lot of coaches have tried to fix Westbrook. They can't. He is an unfixable player. He is what he's, he is. He has shown. This is the 15th year of his career. He has shown he is not changing the way he plays for anybody. I remember two years ago, oh, LeBron will get him. No, he won't. <laughs> the, Kevin Durant couldn't. Bradley Beal couldn't. Paul George couldn't. Mello couldn't. All these other coaches, Billy Donovan couldn't. I think Billy Donovan is an excellent coach. Scott Brooks, who loved Westbrook, couldn't. I think Ty Lue is one of the five best coaches in the NBA. He can't fix him. I'm sorry to tell you that. If Paul George couldn't fix him the first time, he's not fixing him a second time. I just Listen. I am not as high in the Clippers as everybody else is. I think they're probably the third or fourth best team in the West, much less the NBA. But I think they're contenders today. They're a well-run organization with a great coach, with a great roster. Add Russ, they jeopardize all of that and essentially throw it in the trash. How many more times do we need to see it doesn't work? I've said religiously on my show, Russell's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retires today. For maybe all of NBA history, although maybe Don Luca passes him, maybe Jokic passes him, but for all time, for the time being, he's the all-time leader in triple doubles. Nobody can take that away from him. That is an incredible accomplishment. Averaged a triple double four times in five years. Hats off. But I have said since I started my show. Three and a half years ago, he is not a winning basketball player. And I don't know how many organizations are going to have to recognize that until teams stop calling him. 
It's it, it drives listen as a human being. I love Russ. I think Russ is a tremendous guy. I've never attacked him in terms of uh, how he's a human being. His his philanthropic efforts are incredible. But we're talking about on the court. He is a he is not a winning basketball player. But many would say. You can change the ownership, you can change the coaching, you could even change the players, but you can't change the reputation. And it is the Clippers. They sign Westbrook. They out. There's no question about it. A lot of comments here. John Rivera, by the way, happy birthday to John Rivera. Shares the same birthday as Michael Jordan, by the way, and he's a Bulls fan. John John says, I want him, Westbrook, for my Bulls. Um, again, I, I, I asked John John, how does he make how does he make you guys better? What I always, anytime somebody makes a decision, I, I always ask the question. I ask this of myself. I try every time I make a decision, hand to God, I try and do this. What am I trying to accomplish by making this decision? What is the end goal? What am I trying to do when I do this? What are the Bulls trying to accomplish by signing Westbrook? They're a playing team, a fringe playing team, rather. And I don't see them winning. If they're in the 9-10 seed, I don't see them winning two straight games. I could be wrong, but I don't see them winning two straight games to get in the postseason. And even if they do, they're going out in the first round. How does What does Russ bring to the team? That's all I ask. Uh, John, John, we do agree on this. He said he loves Denver. I love Denver. I, I've watched them multiple times this year. <laughs> Denver's really good. They are really, really good. Some of the offseason acquisitions, the trades they made, uh, Denver's legit. They are 100% for real. Absolutely. Um, but John just said they still got to prove something to me. That That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Uh, I do think it's a team that's absolutely good enough to get to the Western Conference Finals, although I, if they match up against a Phoenix or a Golden State, I think they go out in probably six games, maybe seven, depending on what matchups we're talking about. But, yeah, I, 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 I'm all in on Denver. <laughs> of course. Barry, my time has come. I am praying they do this. Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi, and they're going to start him? Where's that? Where's Ashton, Ashton Kutcher? I love that. Uh, and, and, and John John says, uh, I like the Lakers a lot. Uh, Barry says, Waldo George cement and seen it. Now, this is where you lose me because I'm a Paul George guy. Barry is not. He says, Waldo George will not love playing with Russ when they are loading up on you. This is a perfect ending to the Clippers. Please, basketball gods, do this. Por favor. Well, I can imagine as a Lakers fan who absolutely despises the Clippers, and I'm not somebody who likes the Clippers. I'm, I'm a Warriors fan. We're in the same division as them, although divisions really don't mean anything in the NBA anymore. But still, I'm not fond of the Clippers. I don't want to see the Clippers in the NBA Finals. I want to see my Warriors in the NBA Finals. But I think they're a legit team. But they throw all that in the trash with Russ. I still think, I swear, even if Kawhi, God forbid, we're knocking on wood for him. Even if Kawhi goes down, I think they can make the conference finals. They're that good. They are that deep, and they're that well coached by Ty Lue. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But if you want to self-sabotage, knock yourself out. Be my guest. I'm telling you. And what's great about the NBA, yeah, the trade deadline's over, but the buyout market isn't. The buyout market isn't. Did you see Kevin Love just got bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers? And you did you see who's interested in Mr. Love Services? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, few players in the history of the NBA have won a championship with the greatest player ever, LeBron James, and a top 10 player, Steph Curry. I think Quinn Cook did it. JaVale McGee did it. I know I'm missing somebody else. I can't think of their names at this particular moment in time. But Kevin Love has an opportunity to do that. He fits beautifully with Golden State. They need size. Is he a great defender? No, but he can play team defense. Golden State is stacked with good defenders. Wiggins, Draymond, Looney, Clay is still more than serviceable on that. More than serviceable. DiVincenzo, uh, Gary Payton, when he comes back, they've got plenty of defenders, both in the interior and on the wing. And you got a guy, another guy, you can never have enough of these in the NBA, another guy that can knock down a three-point shot. Kevin Love, I'm just telling you, there's no other organization, there's no other team, no other franchise in the NBA today that you would fit better with than the Golden State Warriors. More than welcome. It's crazy. I've gone from recruiting Kevin Durant to recruiting Kevin Love. I know. It's, it's a big drop-off. I understand that. And my dreams of a KD Golden State reunion, at least when KD's in his prime, those appear to have gone to rest. But Kevin Love would be a perfect fit. A perfect fit. But we'll see. Barry says he wants to go with the Lakers, but he would be an amazing fit with Golden State. I'm not even going to lie. Is, is he really interested in, in, in the Lakers? I mean, look, re- reuniting with LeBron, that makes that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, obviously, they won a championship together, but again, if, if the objective is to win a championship, uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's necessarily going to, to do the trick. Uh, this is, this is, okay, well, here, here's, here's what I've got. The couple of, okay, this is from Brian Windhorst, which who's one of the most underrated and one of the best, if not the best source in the NBA. Windhorst said the Cavs could try and steer Kevin Love to the Western Conference during buyout negotiations. Okay. So, again, I'm I'm, I'm looking. This, this, okay, this is from, this says the Golden State Warriors are interested in Kevin Love uh, from Sam uh, Am- uh, Amico Amico. I hope I'm saying his name correctly, but oh, okay. This is also from Windhorse. This is from a day ago. This is interesting. Keep an eye on the Suns as a contender for Kevin Love. Gives them depth. Again, I think defensively, people are really underestimating how good the Phoenix. If, if nothing else, folks, for Phoenix, and some of this had to do with Mikel Bridges. I understand that, and Cam Johnson. But defense is really the only reason the Suns are in this position. If you look at their defensive rating and their offensive rating, defense is the only reason the Suns are in the position they're in now. So you add a 30-point score to that? Yeah, I'm all in on the KD Suns thing. All in. I think we're due for a, 
a Warriors Suns Western Conference Finals, KD versus the Warriors. Oh my gosh, I'm so here for it. But before we get to that, I want to see a KD versus Kyrie like semifinals. Suns, Mavs. Because the Suns and Mavs already don't like each other. Now you've got KD and Kyrie who reports say may team up still. They still want to play with each other. They just really didn't like Brooklyn. Uh, I, I got to see it. The drama, oh, I got to see it. It, it, it is. It doesn't get better than this. It does not get better than this. Um, gosh, the I'm telling you, this is what's great. Listen, the NFL's over. I'm sad about it. We got to wait another seven months before opening day. We're at Thursday night, which, by the way, NFL schedule makers, I'm predicting it now. Today's February 17th. Opening night, NFL season. I think it'll be, if I'm not mistaken, September 7th of 2023, we are going to get a Philadelphia Eagles-Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl rematch opening night. Book it. Book it. I'm just calling it right now. Philadelphia goes to Kansas City next season. I promise you, schedule makers are going to look at that. They're going to have Eagles-Chiefs to open the season. Promise you. Just putting that out there. Just putting that out uh, for, for, for everybody to consume. Okay. It's been a while since I've done this. It, it's probably been 10 years, maybe, since I've done a list like this. But I've looked more into it. And new data has it's crossed my path, or I've crossed its path, whatever the case may be. And I've looked at it, and I've said, okay, let's think about this, think about this. All right. I'm going to rank, I'm just going to tell you right at the bat, I'm going to rank my top 10 quarterbacks of all time. Took a lot of things into consideration. I considered the impact on the game, the impact on the position, rather. Um, their impact on the sport, certainly. MVPs came into consideration. Super Bowls came into consideration. Um, records came into consideration. Stats, obviously. Uh, how many times you league in, league in passing? What was your career numbers when you retired? All of these things. And obviously, pure talent certainly came into the, into the equation as well. Um, I had a strong debate between 10 and 11, that last guy to get into the top 10. It was, I, I thought about it for a while, but I've made my list. I put it together today. I feel really good about it. Here we go. My top 10 quarterbacks in NFL history. Starting with number 10, the 10th greatest quarterback in NFL history is a one champion and a three-time league MVP Johnny Unitas. Like, Johnny Unitas? Yes, Johnny Unitas. You consider, folks, this is a guy who, we talk about Tom Brady's longevity, playing 23 seasons. Johnny Unitas played 18 seasons. Johnny Unitas, again, I'm going way back here to the 50s, 60s, and then the early 70s when his career ended. But you talk about his impact on the position in terms of making the quarterback spot a far more uh, important position to, to winning championships than it used to be. Used to be, like, you know, we were talking about Jim Brown earlier in the show. Used to be, just get an all-time great running back, get a Jim Brown, and he can run you to championships, obviously, with great defenses. That changed, or be, at least began to change, with Johnny Unitas. People forget before the Super Bowl era, when it was the AFL and the NFL, Johnny Unitas with the Baltimore Colts was in the NFL. He won three NFL championships, and he later won a Super Bowl. I think it was Super Bowl five against the Dallas Cowboys. So one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in history, changed the position for the better, uh, was one of the great throws of the football of that time without a question. Johnny Unitas, to me, the 10th greatest quarterback in NFL history. The ninth greatest quarterback is a Super Bowl champion and a three-time league MVP. It is Brett 
Favre. Brett Favre is not my ninth greatest quarterback of all time. Again, we know about the off-the-field stuff, which are, you know, bad. But in terms of on the field, his durability, his arm talent was was incredible. His ability to make plays out to the pocket from time to time. Accuracy came in at win. Sometimes he, he had some hot and cold days. Um, the only reason he's as low as he is at ninth, which you're like, Bryson, he retired as the all-time touchdown passes leader and as the all-time passing yards leader. Yes. But how many times, again, your playoff resume matters too. How many times the postseason did Brett Favre throw a crucial, a killer interception to end his team's season? Obviously, Brett Favre's not all to blame for his team losing the playoffs. But man, when you, you've got an all-time arm like that, when you've got, a, a, again, his mobility at that time was pretty underrated for the 90s and the early 2000s. But I, the, he's only at ninth because I... I I can't look past some of those shortcomings uh, in the postseason. But let's let's look at the bright side here. He's the last, the most recent NFL player to win three consecutive league MVPs. He's like the Larry Bird. Larry Bird won three consecutive NBA MVPs in the, ni- in the 80s. Brett Favre won three consecutive NFL MVPs in the 90s and appeared in, uh, in two Super Bowls for the Green Bay Packers, winning one of them. My number eight quarterback is Brett Favre's successor a one-time Super Bowl champion, and a four-time league MVP. It is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is my eighth greatest quarterback of all time. Here's why. Uh, the, the arm talent and the... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Natural, God-gifted talent just as a pure thrower of the football is, you can't look past it. It, it, it's it's unlike anything we've ever seen. If you want if you want to see great great throws by Aaron Rodgers, I present to you two from the 2015 season: the hail mary against Detroit, in which he launched the ball from his own what 38 yard line, all the way to the goal line on the opposite side of the field. I don't know how high that ball went in the air. It was in a dome. It was in Detroit. The ball angles way up, comes down into the arms of Richard Rodgers, who made an outstanding play in the football to win a game on a Hail Mary. But later on in the playoffs, that play he made against the Arizona Cardinals was unlike anything I've ever seen. It's very similar to what Kyler Murray did in that same stadium years later. Off his back foot, launches it up in the air. It's a perfect, like a like, like a rainbow almost. Into the arms, I think it was Jeff Janis maybe who made the catch there, tied that game. The Packers went on to lose. But that... That, to me, sums up Aaron Rodgers' arm talent. Four league MVPs, just one back-to-back just last year. Again, I put him at eight because for all of those MVPs, for all of that regular season success, man, he's left a lot to be desired in the playoffs. Multiple NFC Championship appearances, but he's played bad in almost all of them. Actually, matter of fact, he has played bad in all of them. We talk about a year he won MVP in 2011, his first MVP. Packers went 15-1 and got blown out in their first playoff game at Lambeau by the eventual champion New York Giants. Like, that's the only reason I have him low on my list, but up until Patrick Mahomes, this was the most talented quarterback I've ever seen in my life. A guy who could make every throw, 
in the book, whether it's outside the pocket, inside the pocket. He's one of the great imp- improvisational quarterbacks of our time. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the eighth greatest quarterback of all time. This may be a bit controversial, but hey, I, this is this is how I looked at it. The seventh greatest quarterback of all time, in my view, is a one-time league MVP and a five-time passing yards leader. Drew Brees is my seventh greatest quarterback of all time. Reason I put him above Rodgers and Favre, despite having zero league MVPs, the only quarterback in this group to not have any league MVPs. Here's the reason. When you talk about what he inherited in New Orleans, in the city with the hur- with Hurricane Katrina, and as an organization, a-, a-, a team, the Saints, that were called the Aints, they were they were below irrelevant. They were garbage. Okay, people showed up to the stadium wearing trash bags on their heads. They were terrible. And Drew Brees, within five years, led them to a Super Bowl championship and won Super Bowl MVP in that game. You consider the fact that multiple NFC championship appearances, in which he played well in quite a few of them, you also look at the fact that when he retired, with all the great quarterbacks that have ever played the game, Drew Brees, six feet tall, not a big arm, but good lord, that guy was accurate. Probably the most accurate throw of the football that we've ever seen in the history of the league. All-time leader of passing yards and touchdowns at the time that he retired. Obviously, Brady surpassed him years later, but if you talk about what he did with that organization, look at the Saints now. Look at the Saints now. They're not the Aints, but we don't talk about the Saints anymore. I mean, unless you live in the city of New Orleans or you're a fan of the team the Saints are going to play, are you moving heaven and earth? Are you rushing your TV to watch a Saints game? No, you're not. You did for 15 years with Drew Brees. Um, Redefine longevity along with the likes of of guys like Brady. Drew Brees, no doubt about it to me, the seventh greatest quarterback in NFL history. Number six, a guy who just got pushed out of my top five recently, a one-time league MVP and a five-time uh, passing yards leader, Dan Marino. Dan, the man, Marino, as one has referred to him as. Dan Marino had a very similar impact to the game that Johnny Unitas did. Johnny Unitas, in the 60s primarily, advanced the game and advanced the quarterback position to new heights. Dan Marino advanced it to further heights. If you talk to any NFL scout from that time, and these are folks that have scouted Elway, They'd later scout Peyton Manning, some of the great quarterback prospects that we've seen. They will still tell you to this day that Dan Marino is the greatest quarterback prospect that they'd ever seen. A monster arm. Deadly accurate. One of the great pocket throwers that we've ever seen. A league MVP. People people attack him for only making one Super Bowl, and he lost to the San Francisco 49ers, and I get that. But Lord have mercy. I have never seen a guy... You Watch Dan Marino highlights on YouTube. By the way, like Breeze, like uh, Favre, when he retired, all-time leader in yards, all-time leader in touchdown passes. The only thing that knocks him out of my top five is he's the one guy on this list with zero Super Bowl rings. That's the only, only knock I have against Dan Marino. But a, a long, great career, had all the records, won an MVP, one of the great quarterback talents we've ever seen uh, in the history of the NFL. Dan Marino is unquestionably uh, on that list. And he is surpassed only by a guy that, uh, you know, I've debated between these two for that, for that top five spot. But ultimately, it was the rings that separated them. I'm talking about, obviously, a two-time Super Bowl champion, a league MVP, 
and a Super Bowl MVP as well, John Elway. You've got to realize, John Elway got bad, bad teams in Denver by Super Bowl standards to the Super Bowl. We attacked Elway for years. Oh, you got blown out in the Super Bowl. Have you seen those Denver rosters? Weren't very good. They lost to the 49ers. If I'm not mistaken, I think they might have lost. Uh, actually, I don't know if Elway was there yet when they lost the Cowboys in the 70s. He, he wasn't there yet. Um, but numerous Super Bowls that he lost. I think he lost to Washington one year, if I'm not mistaken. So getting bad team to Super Bowl after Super Bowl. But all-time great playoff performances. Look at the drive. Ever heard of the drive against the Cleveland Browns? 99 yards to win the AFC Championship game. Go look that up. It's it's They call it the drive for a reason. Um, and he caps his career. Probably the greatest ending to a career we've ever seen. Last two years of his career, wins two Super Bowls. The only two Super Bowls of his career, obviously. The one iconic play of his career was the helicopter dive. Guys in his late 30s, doesn't have a Super Bowl rings, playing a great Green Bay Packers defense led by Reggie White. Dives for the first down, helicopters for it. Um, and and the, I remember the announcer just marveling over this, like, man, this is a guy in his, his, his late 30s. He wants this game so bad, and ultimately he got it. Um, and, and even the late, great Pat Bowen, rest in peace, the former owner of the Denver Broncos, he said this one's for John because they wanted to win one for John Elway. He decided to come back for one more year and led the Broncos to another Super Bowl title, this time against the Atlanta Falcons. John Elway, to me, is in the top five, the fifth greatest quarterback of all time. Number four. People going to say it's too early, but I don't care. A two-time league MVP and a two-time Super Bowl champion, Patrick Mahomes. Yes, he is accomplished enough. Heck, our eyes have told us enough that he is the greatest, the fourth greatest quarterback of all time, and he is possibly on a GOAT trajectory. How about a resume that looks like, I don't know, five years as a starter and the worst season of your career? is when you lost at home in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. That's the worst season of Patrick Mahomes' career. Lost the AFC Championship game to Joe Burrow at home. The best years of his career. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the first year he ever started in the NFL when he threw 50 touchdown passes, which only Brady and Manning can say that they've been able to do in a single season. If you want to talk about a second season in which he led not one, Not two, but three straight comeback wins from 10 or more points down. They were down 24 to nothing with 10 minutes left in the first half against the Texans. The halftime score was Chiefs 28, Texans 24. They made up that deficit in 10 minutes. Came back from 10 points down on the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship game. And against the number one defense of the league, the San Francisco 49ers came back from 10 points down the Super Bowl. Sound familiar? Yeah, he did it last week. A 10-point comeback against arguably the best defense in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. This is what he does. I've always said about Patrick Mahomes, there is no quarterback in the history of the NFL ever, including all the great all-timers on this list, that I would rather have trailing double digits than Patrick Mahomes. No quarterback's ever had a more impressive five-year resume to start a career. Not even Tom Brady. Brady's got more rings in that first five years of his career, but zero MVPs. What Mahomes has done in this stretch is unlike anything we've ever seen in the history of the league. What's scariest, folks, I'm like 95% certain he's not even his prime yet. 
And when he gets in his prime, with as long as these quarterbacks can play nowadays, with how they take care of bodies, their bodies, coupled with the rule changes benefiting the offenses, why can't Patrick Mahomes have a 20-year career? It is scary what this kid is doing. Patrick Mahomes is already the fourth greatest quarterback of all time. The number three greatest quarterback of all time, the third greatest quarterback of all time, is an NFL record five-time MVP and a two-time Super Bowl champion, Peyton the Sheriff Manning. A VFL of all for life. Go balls. I had to throw that in there. Peyton Manning is the third greatest quarterback of all time. Again, like Unitas, like Marino, he truly revolutionized the quarterback position, not in terms of the importance that that position is to winning championships, but Peyton changed the game in that pre-snap announcers focus on it more. Coaches focus on it more now than they ever have because of how genius Peyton Manning was at diagnosing whatever the defenses on the other side were going to call. There's a famous story, I think I've told it on my show before, when Peyton Manning was playing college football at Tennessee. Again, keyword, college. David Cutcliffe, who you know, was obviously coached for years at, at, at Duke University as their head football coach. Back in the late 90s, he was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans under the Hall of Fame head coach, Philip Fulmer. And Cutcliffe would later remark about 15 years later, 15 years into Peyton's NFL career, and he's the offensive coordinator, mind you. We didn't call in plays for the offense to run. We called in suggestions. Peyton called the plays in college. We barely see college quarterbacks today with as much as the pre-snap game is emphasized in today's game because of Peyton Manning. We barely see any college quarterbacks, if any at all emphasize that or do that now in the nfl everybody does it if you don't do it you're behind the curve you're behind the a ball peyton Manning changed the game in that regard again a league record five five mvps as i've said he's the greatest regular season quarterback of all time in my view i would take him over brady in the regular season it's the postseason where obviously brady separated himself but got that super bowl in indianapolis he obviously lost the two in between against the saints and then against the seahawks in that massive uh, defeat in Super Bowl 48, but ended his career on a high note, not in terms of his play. It was the worst year of his career, but got the job done. He played a good game manager role in year 18, won Super Bowl 50 with the Denver Broncos against the Carolina Panthers, and it's only fitting that he retired after year 18. Again, held all the records when he retired, passing yards and passing touchdowns. Hats off to Peyton Manning, the third greatest quarterback of all time, also an all-time legend in the history of Tennessee football. Peyton Manning, to me, is the third greatest quarterback of all time. The number two, the second greatest quarterback of all time. You guys know who I'm probably talking about. A two-time league MVP and a four-time Super Bowl champion, Joe Cool Montana. Joe Cool is number two on my list. Uh, We often hold it against Joe Montana way too much that he had, in my view, the greatest coach ever, Bill Walsh as his head man, and easily the greatest receiver of all time, Jerry Rice, as his number one. Not to mention great defenses with Ronnie Lott and company, but when you consider, for Brady, Montana was considered the gold standard. Something that Tom Brady cannot say, and Joe Montana can. Four Super Bowl wins four tries. Not to mention, he was essentially perfect in those Super Bowls, not just in record, but in those four Super Bowls, he threw 11 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. 
So when the moment called for it, again, if you want, if you want, if you want me to show you, hey, what's Joe Montana's greatest moment? I give you two. One was that drive he had against the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. I believe it was 1981 in the first 49ers Championship season, when obviously the late great Dwight Clark made what was known as the catch in the back of the end zone. It was a great drive led by Montana and the Niners. I would also say. That drive, I think it was 82 yards, if I'm not mistaken, 82, 80 plus yards, whatever it was, against the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl through the game-winning touchdown pass with seconds remaining to John Taylor uh, of the 49ers to win that Super Bowl. I think 26 to 16 was the final score. Uh, again, when the moment called for it, when you needed Joe Montana to be at his best, he was at his best. Listen. He was, he was who Tom Brady looked up to. He was who a lot of these great quarterbacks, uh, and certainly in terms of, of the clutch gene, as it's known as, who they looked up to. So hats off to, to Joe Montana. He, to me, is the second greatest quarterback of all time. Come on now. Like it's, why, why am I even doing this? The greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, why, why, I don't even know why we need to do this, but we'll do it. The NFL's all-time leader, in passing yards. The NFL's all-time leader in passing touchdowns. The NFL's all-time leader in Super Bowl wins with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Super Bowl titles, five Super Bowl MVPs, three league MVPs, the most regular season wins, and the most playoff wins. I am I refer to him as the great outlier and as the human cyborg. You know him as Tom Brady. What has been said about Tom Brady that has not been said? Yeah, he's the GOAT. That got submitted six years ago. It's not, even, it's not even a discussion. Mahomes could get in that discussion in three, four years possibly. Had a couple MVPs, maybe a Super Bowl or two. We'll see. If he does, yeah, he's in that discussion with Brady. But I don't think there is a reasonable argument. It's the one we argue about LeBron and Jordan all the time. We argue about the baseball GOAT all the time. Some are even starting to mention in hockey. Hey! I don't know. Is it Gretzky or Ovechkin? I think it's Gretzky. Pretty comfortably, but look at the career Ovechkin's had. This it's not even it's not even discussion. It's like saying who's 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 the greatest uh It's like saying who's the greatest Cleveland Cavalier of all time. Like why are we why are we even talking about this? Who's the greatest warrior of all time? Like why? I'm just gonna end up with it right there. I think Tom Brady's resume speaks for itself. I mean, what, what do you want me to show you? The 28-3 comeback in Atlanta. The 24-14 comeback against Seattle in the Super Bowl. The game-winning drive to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl the first time around. He later beat the Rams with a game-winning drive a second time around. The game-winning drive to beat the Panthers. The game-winning drive to beat the Eagles. Um, not to mention the one question, and I laughed at people when they said this, but the one question, hey, is Tom Brady a product of Bill Belichick? Yeah, he dispelled that pretty quickly. Year one in a pandemic season in Tampa Bay won a Super Bowl. He has more Super Bowl. If there's nothing, if nothing else, Tom Brady's GOAT case is in the 57-year history of the Super Bowl. Tom Brady has more Super Bowl titles than any NFL franchise. The Steelers and the Patriots, the Patriots because of Tom, both have six. Tom Brady has seven. Case closed, debate over. Not that there even needed to be a debate. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But to recap my top 10 list, 
The reason I did this list, too, is because I think Mahomes has vaulted into the top five. But to recap the list, number 10, Johnny Unitas. Number nine, Brett Favre. Number eight, Aaron Rodgers. Number seven, Drew Brees. Number six, Dan Marino. Number five, John Elway. Number four, Patrick Mahomes. Number three, Peyton Manning. Number two, Joe Montana. And number one, Tom Brady. I had to do that list. It's, it's I love doing lists. I love doing rankings. Um, I'll do a segment. I didn't have time to do it today, but I'll do one next week about whether or not the Chiefs are a dynasty. I'm not sure if I'll do it Monday, Thursday, Friday. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's I I think it's a list. And I said before I before I uh gave you all my list, I said I debated between 10 uh, and 11, those wondering who that is. I was debating between Unitas and Steve Young. Like Steve Young to me is the most underrated quarterback of all time. The reason that I put Unitas above Steve Young was A, more MVPs, more championships, and a far greater impact on the game than Steve Young. But Steve Young, if you put him in your top 10, you're not going to hear an argument from me. Absolutely not. Won a su- he won three Super Bowls technically, but he led a team to one. He won two Super Bowls as Joe Montana's backup with the 49ers, and then he led the, the 49ers in 1993 to a Super Bowl title. But yeah, his 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 dual threat ability, his arm, his accuracy, like I don't know what you could say about about uh about Steve Young that hasn't been said before. He's 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 an all-timer. But we do have one more topic before we get out of here. So I gotta admit, I am very excited for NBA All-Star Weekend. I really am. In Utah, in Salt Lake City, I know it's not Los Angeles, it's not Miami, it's not one of these these big time uh you know all-star towns. By the way, can I just say this? in support of my friends in the Bay Area as a Warriors fan. Why is it that it's been 20-plus years since the Bay Area has had an All-Star game? Was it like 2001, 2002, that Oracle Arena? Rest in peace, Oracle. Of course, our Oracle's still standing. It's not called Oracle anymore. I think it's just Oakland Arena. Point being, Oracle Arena hosted the NBA All-Star Weekend. I think it was in 01 or 02 when Vince Carter had the dunk contest of dunk contests. When Kenny Smith's out here yelling, it's over, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the greatest, the probably the greatest uh, dunk in a con- dunk contest ever. Uh, with this new arena, with it being in San Francisco now, the Chase Center, how do we not have an all-star game here again? Come on. Like, think about it. some of the greatest players ever got to play one all-star game at home. LeBron's gotten to play him in Cleveland. Kobe got to play some in L.A. Um... Who else? I'm thinking about, if I'm not mistaken, I think Duncan might have played one in San Antonio. I think they might have. Did they have one in the Alamo Dome? They may have. Uh, gosh, who else? I'm just blanking on All-Stars. Pretty sure Magic played one at home. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's, that, that's off the top of my head. But Steph, Steph, is, Steph has done just about everything that you can possibly do in an NBA career, except play an all-star game at home. He deserves that right. Like Steph's, listen, Steph's going to be around for a while. I think he's going to be the Tom Brady of basketball. Not that he's going to be the greatest all-time in basketball, but I think he's going to have a career that resembles Tom Brady in terms of longevity, in which I think when Steph's 41, 42 years old, we're still going to be talking about him. Not as the best player in the world, but a very, very impactful player still um, at that age, if he wants to, if that's if that's his goal. But, but I think the way he plays the game, he can certainly do that. Uh or maybe Tom Brady is just in a league of his own. That's why I call him the great outlier. But 
You've got the three-point contest tomorrow. I'm just going to tell you, it's either Dame Lillard or, or or Buddy Heald. If you want to make me make a decision, I'll say Buddy Heald wins the three-point contest uh, for the Indiana Pacers. I love Dame. Dame's my guy. Dame is my guy. You know, screw it. I'm going to go with Dame. Dame wins the three-point contest. Okay? People disrespect Dame all the time, and it drives me nuts. Oh, he doesn't have a ring. Yeah, he's ran into the Golden State Warriors a lot in the playoffs. You tend to not win rings. Okay? The Indiana Pacers, the New York Knicks, okay? They didn't win any rings. They ran to Jordan all those years. Doesn't diminish them. Okay? Listen, when you own the Western Conference, it is what it is. You're not going to get a whole lot of hardware. So, I'm just, I'm just saying. Let's not, let's not disdain for that. Dame wins the three-point contest. I think Mac McClung wins the dunk contest. I think it's the first G-leaguer to ever participate in an NBA dunk contest. Matt McClung wins the dunk contest. He said uh, in an interview with Sham Sharania that he's got two dunks in mind that he has never done at a contest, or at least in public before. So I'm excited to see what those are. Uh, kid can absolutely jump out of the freaking gym. Like, I, I think these last two dunk contests have been absolute duds. I mean, they've been horrible. They, they've been, I go so far as to say, unwatchable. This one? Oh, yeah, tune in. It's a shame, too, because it was. I was looking forward to being Matt McClung versus Shaden Sharp of the Portland Trailblazers. If you've seen Shaden Sharp, good Lord, that kid's athletic. Um, but we'll at least get to see Mac. Hopefully, we'll get to see Shaden Sharp in future dunk contest. But, uh, but yeah, that's going to be exciting. Who wins the All-Star game? Well, unfortunately, I don't know the teams. I know it's Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. I know the starters are. I know KD's not going to be available. Steph's not going to be available. And there's one more All-Star. I'm blanking on who it was, but there's one more All-Star who wasn't going to be available due to injury. But there's some first-timers this year. Again, no disrespect to any of the guys. Congrats to all the guys who made the All-Star team, but I'm just going to beat this drum until the cows come home. How Jalen Brunson was not an All-Star is a crime. Jalen Brunson, look at his numbers. He He's the best player. He's better than Julius Randle, unquestionably. Come on, man. Come on. He should have been an all-star. Simple as that. Uh, I'm going to pick Team LeBron. First of all, LeBron has tended to draft. I love Giannis. You guys know what I feel about. I think Giannis is the second greatest player in the world to Steph Curry. But uh, Giannis in these drafts, and maybe he's learned. You know, he's he, this is his third time as an all-star captain. Giannis's drafts haven't been all that great. LeBron's drafts, this is his... 18, 19, 20, 21, 20. Okay, this is LeBron's sixth time as an all-star captain. He's 5-0 and thus far. He's been great at putting these teams together in years past. I think he does it again. I think, I think the king, and now I'm willing to admit it, the GOAT does it again. Team LeBron wins. Who who take who went who uh who hits the game winning shot because the new format obviously target score twenty four you guys know how it goes at this point, but who hits the game winning shot? Hmm. For a team that could it be LeBron again for a second straight year? I'll say because I don't again I don't know who they drafted yet that didn't happen to tomorrow night. Damian Lillard. Because LeBron always drafts Steph. When Steph has been available in the All-Star Draft, LeBron always drafts Steph because they are a match made in basketball heaven. And I still will always hope that maybe one day they will team up in Golden State. 
But Dame is is second to Steph in that regard in terms of shooting the basketball, certainly from long distance. Braun, Dame. Dame hits the walk-off shot. Dame hit the walk-off shot two years ago in Atlanta. Now, that was more of a blowout. So, you know, team, yeah, I think it was team Giannis that year. I'm pretty sure uh, they weren't going to catch him. But, yeah, that's team LeBron wins. He moves to 6-0 in this All-Star format. And what's great about the All-Star game is the winner, uh, the captains pick two charities. So, it's, you know, you get... Uh, you get people involved in terms of donating to great causes. So it's great. It's a great weekend. The NBA always does, always does a great job. Uh, and hopefully Salt Lake City continues to, to do that as well. Uh, I've gotten a lot of tweets about, about college basketball. I don't think we have any breaking news right now. Just making sure. Okay, we do not. Uh, other than Fred Van Vliet signing with Clutch Sports. Okay, so he's a part of uh, the empire that LeBron and Rich Paul have built. So congrats to Fred Van Vliet and congrats to Clutch Sports. But uh, with that, that is all the time here for today's show. I appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitter. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And also, be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network. You saw two of the incredible creators on the Grid in the comments today, Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast, Patrick Brown of the Chaotic Sports Podcast. You also got Ryan Flowers of the Clutch Sports Talk Podcast. You've got the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, Alfred Parsar Jr. with the Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast. You've got outstanding content creators. Be sure to go subscribe to The Grid. And that is also where you can listen to my show. If you didn't catch the show live today, no worries. You can listen to it. You can take us wherever you go. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts on the Grid Network, where you can listen to Carving It Up, as well as the other incredible shows at the Grid. All right, All-Star Weekend, here we come. Looking forward to it. I think Saturday night with the draft, everything is going to be exciting. Dame wins the three-point contest. Mac McClung wins the dunk contest. Team LeBron wins the All-Star game. Dame Lillard hits the game-winning shot. I'm calling it right here. That's how it's all going to play out. So hope everybody has a great weekend. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Dame Dalla. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.